Hey, fellow traveler, welcome to the Third Eye Awakening podcast, a show where we talk all about spiritual and psychic awakening, magic, the shift from 3D to 5D, star seeds, ascension, multiple timelines, multiple dimensions, the universe, the multiverse, the Akashic records, all the good things. I am your host, Amy Blair, and I'm so glad to have you here with me today. Okay, let's do this. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Third Eye Awakening. I am so happy to have you here. Do you know that? I truly am. I'm just like super honored to be blending airwaves with you, sharing our vibes, creating beautiful, magical, energetic ripple effects through our collective human consciousness together. High five, teamwork. Okay, today I'm bringing you a truly next level conversation. I I mean, it honestly, it blew my mind. It was the perfect timing. I was so 100% ready for it in a way that I don't even think I would have been six months ago. But my guest, Kristen Ramazana, she brings some very, very deep shit to the table. So Kristen calls herself the underworld queen. Before you freak out and click off, she goes into the darkness. She works with the darkness, like at a very, very bold level. But I instantly knew, like from the moment that, so basically somebody made a connection for us. Okay. So I've never met Kristen before. She was not on my radar at all. Somebody that I know, like, and trust very much and like know personally, um, made the connection between us. And when I checked out her Instagram profile, before our conversation, I instantly recognized Kristen and I totally got what she was doing. Now, she also blew my mind as she explained through her language, the depth and the details of what she's doing. But I just, I read it and understood it right away. And I was like, wow, in so many ways, Kristen is a mirror to me, not in our personal life experiences, but even Like I'm thinking about sharing the video on YouTube, which I don't normally do, but we were even visually opposites. So we're both white girls. Okay. But Kristen has, um, white blonde hair and I have brown black hair and Kristen was wearing black and I was wearing white and it was just like the mirror there even. And of course, none of this was planned out. It was just so, so fascinating. And Where I work in fields of light, Kristen is working in fields of darkness. She has gone through a series of really intense initiations down into the underworld and she has met the Goetic Infernals um, and she works with them. And they are archetypal beings that we would normally call demons and yet they are not what we understand demons to be. So like I said, first of all, I'm sharing this to say, be warned, if if you are not in a place where you can handle a conversation around demons without getting triggered, like to heck, then perhaps bookmark this and come back to it when you feel divinely guided to do so. Um, but I promise you there is nothing dark or um, manipulative or underhanded, nothing of nothing of a dark negative, destructive frequency is coming through our conversation. It is very much anchored in the light and very much anchored in alchemy and healing. So 
I don't even think I would have been ready for this conversation like four, five, six months ago. I had to snap into this um, dimensional knowing of myself in order to be able to do so. But like I said, when I when I looked at Kristen's Instagram, even before we hopped on the call together, I was like, oh, I recognize her. I get what she's doing. I felt the frequency of it and resonate with it completely. So this woman walks the walk. She is not, this isn't a marketing thing for her. This is not a surface level. Like she's very embodied in what she is sharing and the particular um, intense medicine that she's bringing to the world. She is not just wearing a costume for the sake of like taking, like, you know, putting nice pictures on Instagram and being like, I have a business doing shadow work. She has a business doing shadow work, like deep, deep, deep shadow work. And I really admire her and what she's doing and the way she shows up. So, okay. So, um, just know that we're going to talk about the difference between demons, parasitic entities, and vampires. Um, we're going to talk about the underworld. Um, I ask her to map it out and describe it. Uh, she talks about like working with the noetic or the goetic infernals as um, like guides and how they hold the polarity of mastery over a given shadow, which I mean, that's a piece that like I literally could not have understood that six months ago but now I can whereas like oh I get it like these shadows are real and they must be integrated and they must be mastered and therefore there has to be an archetypal field of consciousness that holds mastery over these really intense dark negative shadow energies like can hold the amount of power associated with a dark negative shadow energy and like hold it masterfully do you know what I mean? Like if you, okay, think about um, a fantasy creature that is like a really important one to us. It carries a lot of keys and symbols for us. We think it's a fantasy creature. I think it's a real creature. We just haven't seen one in a really long time, but dragons, okay? So dragons have um, dragon fire, which is extremely powerful. It can completely destroy entire like depending on the size of the dragon of course but just depend um it can completely destroy entire communities um people their lives flocks of animals whatever um a dragon is like another archetype i guess another symbol of the ability to hold an amount of power that is so potent that it can be devastating and the ability to have mastery over it. I don't know how else to put it. So it's not just like spewing out everywhere and you're not hiccuping and like giant flames of dragon fire just randomly torturing, uh, torching, sorry, things around the world, you know, like you're not just burping oops and then there's fire and like a bunch of people are dead. No, like the the dragon has the ability to contain that fire and be a container for that power and let it out when it deems it appropriate, you know? And so similarly, the goetic infernals are slightly more humanoid archetypes of a similar ability to hold 
the power associated with a given shadow and hold it in mastery so that the shadow doesn't have power over them. They have power over the shadow. It was a really, really, really activating conversation. Um, and yeah, so Krista shares her journey, whatever. I got to say, I kind of made a mistake. Um, it was a rookie mistake. My apologies, but it cut off the end of the conversation. So I started working with a new, like may set me up with a free account, um, for something that would like transcribe the podcast episodes and create show notes. And, uh, I didn't know, I didn't get it. Like it automatically records the meeting. And so I thought that the podcast episode was already recording because sometimes, you know, certain Zoom calls are set up to automatically record as soon as we start. So I didn't realize it was the free trial of the program that was doing the recording and not my own Zoom account. And it only records for 60 minutes. And so it cut off and we chatted for like maybe two or three minutes before we started. So I'm super sorry that the conversation um, gets cut off randomly. But at the end of the conversation, I'll come back in and kind of like explain what I remember that we um, we lost in that boo-boo on my part. And also tell you about what Kristen shared in terms of like, if you are curious, if you want to go deeper, if you want to learn more, if you want to follow her, obviously all that stuff. So <laughs> buckle your seatbelts is such a good conversation. So, so, so good. If you don't feel ready for it, um, it's okay. Just as I said, bookmark it, come back to it when you feel guided, but rest assured that you do not need to be afraid of this conversation. There are no gross energies. There are no malevolent energies. There is nothing harmful in here. It's um, really an important conversation. A lot of, lot of really, really powerful stuff comes through. So that is my intro for this conversation with Kristen Ramazana. And of course, I must remind you that I have certain things open for enrollment. So number one, the avatar is open for enrollment. It's starting on January 30th. This is for you if you feel like you are having a walk-in experience or you wonder if you're having a walk-in experience. This is to help you integrate it. This is for you if you know that you have been here for like since the ancient times and that you have an important role to play and you're working on remembering it. This is the container that is going to bring those memories into like prismatic clarity and this is for you if you feel like you are up leveling into a next like you know next superhero version of yourself like a a really big identity shift internally where you're like holy shit and now this is who I am it's it's likewise so what I'm doing in this container in the avatar is I'm going into the Akashic Records and I'm also guiding you into like powerful guided journeys through the Akashic Records to retrieve more information, to retrieve more memories, to retrieve more instructions, like to fill in the picture for you, to set you up to basically like make this transition as smoothly as possible. To like, it's hard for me to describe it in words because it's so much more than like whatever physical tangible deliverables but I use soul mission and soul purpose 
to describe it because I know that's what motivates so many of us who are operating at this level is like, I am here to do something and I want to do it. (laughs) And I want more access to the memories and the information and the instructions on what to do, when to do it, how to do it, with whom, et cetera, et cetera. So it's about that. um, But it's also about remembering yourself at a greater soul level. It's about, you know, taking on more responsibility in terms of your role as a planetary guardian and doing planetary grid work. It's, it's, you know, it's all the magical things that I talk about. So the avatar is starting January 30th. It is a 12 week guided group mentorship journey and it's going to be amazing. Please check out the link in the show notes. If you want to join, this is the highest touch way to work with me right now. Next up, I have Into the Akasha on pre-sale, which means, or sorry, early bird, which means that um, it, I'm not in the hard, you know, I'm not telling you about it every single day at this point, but it's coming. We're going to be starting our live round in February, and this live round is mostly focused on time travel, dimensional travel, soul fragment retrieval, and like application by doing group practice sessions. So going into the Akashic Records together. One of my gifts is to take people who are really new with their psychic abilities or who have reached a natural plateau with their psychic abilities and like bring them to um, the next level, like beyond the plateau or connect them with how their psychic abilities are coming through. So even if you feel like, I don't know, I I don't think I have any psychic gifts or I don't know, I just feel like I'm blocked. I'm not connecting with the Akashic Records. I am so good at helping people through those blocks and those plateaus. So check that out. Link is in the show notes for that too. It's on Early Bird. You can save some money if you join now. And I also have a brand new bundle called the third eye activation bundle which is um like just really simple you it's all recorded you get instant forever access it includes um like four audio transmissions about the third eye about clairvoyance about timeline creation about the sixth dimension and the sixth strand of dna and then it also includes a third eye clearing meditation and a third eye activation meditation and they are very very powerful this is an awesome little bundle super affordable if you are already in heart star creator don't buy it because it is part of heart star creator i just like bundled it up separately for people to purchase but right now we're experiencing huge third eye activations i don't know if y'all are feeling it some of you are because you told me on instagram Uh, But this is like the perfect time to do this kind of stuff, which is why, you know, I got my butt in gear and bundled it up. May also helped me, to be totally honest, and have it ready for you to buy if you want. So there's that. And then finally, the last thing I'm going to talk about on this particular intro is the all access pass. If you're like, but I want all of those things I don't want to have to choose and I want all of it all the time, Amy, and I also want to save literally thousands of dollars, then you can just join the all access pass and then you get it all. You get it all. You even get things that aren't currently available on my website for people to buy. Um, you get all the live things that I do, all the live rounds this year, all of the pre-recorded 
courses and materials, every mystery new thing that I come up with this year, you get it all. You get it for an entire 12 months from the point of you joining. And um, you literally save, currently as it stands right now, is you save about $4,000, but you're, the savings are only going to go up as I create more and more and more stuff this year. Okay, so it's like, if, if you can um, afford it, it is a total no-brainer. And if you like my stuff, of course. So those are the ways that you can work with me right now. I can't wait to meet you. Can't wait to see you again. If I've seen you before, um, we are living through truly exciting times, my friends. So dive in with me on these deeper journeys. The water is great. It will blow your mind. Huge transformations will happen. Otherwise, without any further ado, here is my like phenomenal conversation with Kristen Ramazana. Kristen Ramazana is the CEO of Underworld Queen Collective and the host of the Awaken the Witch podcast. Kristen is an underworld witch and a trauma-informed shadow work coach. She uses her spiritual gifts, connection with Hades and the underworld, and years of education and experience to help clients own their darkness, heal their witch wound, and become liberated, embodied, and abundant AF. She believes that it is everyone's birthright to be deeply connected to their magic and intuition and to live out their wildest dreams. Welcome, Kristen. First of all, first of all, we believe the same thing. It's just interesting to be on opposite sides of like, I'm holding certain light fields, you're holding certain dark fields, but ultimately we're like, human beings have a birthright, and that is to connect with our magic. Second of all, your connection with Hades. I mean, when I was reading your bio, like practicing before we got on this call, I was like, that's a brazen thing to claim that I don't feel like anybody would just throw around. It's like, ooh, to invoke powerful deities such as those. That's that's cool. I'm excited for this conversation. Welcome to the podcast. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> Can you tell Thank us about you. yourself? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And on that note, I love the polarity of this because I think oftentimes people think they have to choose between light and dark and everyone's Mm. meant to walk different path. Everyone's path looks different, even under the umbrella of darkness or light. Everyone has a different magic and gifts and purpose. And so I love that we share the same vision, even if we said what seems to be opposite sides of the coin. And so I, I claim that relationship with Hades because he is the deity that taught me everything. Like he has taught me so much about what I now incorporate in my work with clients. And of course, everything that I do with clients, I've done with myself first because I believe in embodiment. Like there's, that's a huge piece of integrity for me. And so when he first came to me and I started working with him, like that's when everything started to shift. And so for me, this whole journey has been so incredibly magical. And I say that because it, when they, when these things have kind of popped into my life or come into my path, I've never expected it. And oftentimes in the human experience, especially when we've had a lot of trauma, like it makes us kind of like death grip certainty and death grip control. And then we try to like manhandle our way through the world. And when we have a deep spiritual connection, it does require an element of surrender and trust. And so in working with Hades, it showed me so much about how to lean into that surrender and into that trust. And and this journey has just unfolded in such a beyond profound way. (laughs) 
it's it's difficult to put it into words to to be able to walk this path for myself personally and then also leading clients through their own shadow into their own darkness to really unlock their power because oftentimes we're so afraid of the dark we're conditioned from from the time we're a small child to fear the dark and there are scary things in the dark there's entities and there's like malevolent spirits and there's also in our own darkness trauma and the parts of ourselves that that we don't like or that we fear but our power is also there and so when we fracture our relationship with our own internal darkness, we're essentially fracturing our relationship with self. And then we run around wondering why we don't feel like we love ourselves, like we don't respect ourselves, like we don't feel whole. And that's because we're splintering away all these pieces of ourselves that we're conditioned to believe are bad or not worthy. Like all of you is worthy, not just the parts of you that society has pedestalized. And so when we dive into our darkness, we face some of the scary stuff. We're also liberating ourselves and allowing ourselves to feel whole and feel complete and love all of ourselves. And that's really what allows us to be powerful. Totally, totally. And I, I feel like, yeah, I mean, there are really scary things in the darkness. And yet even like, I never want to minimize that because I, I feel like yeah, there are real actual dark entities, like very, very powerful things that, you know, you don't want to fuck with if you're not prepared for yeah. what that, <laughs> for that level of power. Right. So yeah. I, I don't, I always want to acknowledge that, but at the same time, like even those dark things, I just feel like we can't actually, not only can we not condemn the darkness within ourselves, but we can't condemn darkness period like it it uh, there are certain aspects of the way that it presents itself and manifests that we get to choose to not we don't participate in it or we don't express it you know but we can't just condemn darkness as a blanket statement it's it is yeah. what it is it's it's here so I agree. Well, I, I, I view the example as like masculine and feminine energy. Like it sits on a spectrum. There's divine expressions of it and there's wounded expressions of it. But when we mm -hmm. see the wounded expressions in the world, we don't throw out the energy entirely, right? It's the same thing with darkness. There's wounded darkness. There's divine darkness. But we throw, we like as a society tries to just like throw out darkness completely, you can't have light without darkness. Like it just, it doesn't, like we live in a universe with polarity. And so when we start to kind of separate it out that way, it allows us to understand like there are divine aspects of our own darkness. There's wounded aspects. We can alchemize those wounded aspects into our own internal divinity. There's wounded expressions of darkness in terms of spirits and things like that. And there's also divine expressions. And that really surprises people because when, when we don't take a black and white approach and we're willing to sit on that spectrum and understand the difference, that's when we can really start to open our mind up to working with deities and different beings that we might not have otherwise contemplated connecting with. Yeah, totally. Totally. So, okay. So tell me about your journey. I would love to know kind of like, almost like what you have mapped of the darker realms. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's really interesting because I feel like in hindsight, this journey evolved at the perfect cadence. And that's why I say like, we're not in control. The guides have a bird's eye view of our whole life. And so they know exactly what we need when we need it. And they never give us any more than we can handle. And they never give us any less than what we need. And so when Hades stepped forward, it was shortly after 
I had gone to Salem, Massachusetts for the first time. And when I went there, it felt like something turned on in my soul. And I was like remembering who I was, that I was a witch. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. But at that point in my life, it, it catapulted me into the first portion of my spiritual awakening. This was back in 2016. But I was not prepared to be visible in that at all because I had a massive witch wound and I didn't realize it at the time. So I was like, okay, I'm a witch, but no one's going to know about that part of me. And I thought that it would be enough to just kind of like secretly sit in that. And Hades stepped forward, but he was cloaked. He didn't share his real identity. Cause at that point I hadn't done any shadow work. I didn't done any, I didn't do any religious deconditioning or witch wound healing. Not that I was raised in like an intensely religious environment, but like there's a lot of Christian programming in our society, whether we're raised in a household Absolutely. with that or not. And so he was guiding me for a few years under the pretense of being my guide named Joe, just like in this cloak, told me his name was Joe. And I was like, all right, this is fine. And so when I hit the second phase of my spiritual awakening, which was like after a brutal or amidst a brutal dark night of the soul, everything around me was ripped away. My old business, my old life, like everything was just crumbling. And that's when I really started to understand like that Joe was Hades and that everything was falling away because that wasn't my path. And so oftentimes when these things happen, especially when we've had trauma, it, it can be like, oh shit, like how, how do I, like, how do I hold on to these things? And it's like, let it fall. And so when I did, that's when I started to meet soul tribe members. That's when I found out who Hades was. That's when I started to meet some more divine dark beings that I was meant to work with. That's when I was taken to the underworld. And so all these things kind of just like happened in this magical cadence. The first time I went down to the underworld, it was an accident. I was going into a shadow work meditation. My best friend was leading me into it. And I just like fell into the underworld and I landed on this beautiful red velvet carpet and I look up and the entire space looked like the cross between a nightclub and like a vibey cave. It had like stalactites and like it inspired a lot of my branding now because it was just like, it was the coolest place ever. And I was, I was surrounded by these beings that looked like demons and what shocked the fuck out of me was that in that moment, I felt so much love like pouring out from them toward me. And then I was like, I feel like I miss them. And I like literally started bawling my eyes out. And then I was, my conscious brain was confused because our conscious mind is about 5% of our brain and the sub and unconscious make up the rest. My soul, my shadow was re remembering that connection. And it was, it was jarring a little bit. So I was like, I feel like I miss them and I feel like I want to hug them. But like, why do I, why do I have such an intensely emotional reaction and come to find out through more shadow work and past life exploration and underworld exploration that I've worked with Hades and the infernals throughout so many lives. And so our soul retains that connection, the work that we've done, the foundation we've laid with these beings carries with us. It's just a matter of remembering. And so working with these beings, I've journeyed through so many different parts of the underworld. Like there's different castles and palaces where these beings reside. There are some darker, heavier, denser parts of the underworld where lost souls get trapped, where there are malevolent spirits that are meant to be down there. Like the problem is when these spirits get out on our plane, they can cause problems when they're down there. It's the energy is different. And so there are, there are, parts of the underworld that are denser, that are scarier. And oftentimes souls will trap themselves there because they feel like they belong there. They feel like they deserve mm -hmm. it. It's kind of the way we twist our own knives and punish ourselves in life. And so the way I look at it is the deeper we're able to go into the underworld, the more we're able to journey into those dark corners and crevices, obviously safely with a guide, with your spirit guides, et cetera. But the, the deeper we're able to go into that darkness, the deeper we're able to go into our own darkness, into our shadow. And so my the depths of my underworld journeying mimicked the depths of my own shadow work journeying. And I started to see some really traumatic past lives that I was ready to see. 
I started to see what I would call like wounded power lives. The lives where we were in fact the villain because there's not a single person who's awake mm-hmm. now, who's an old soul or oldish soul that's never had a life where you were the villain or not the villain. And so to, to be able to see those lives and to be, to be able to witness that with compassion and understanding is huge because those are the lives that have us in a chokehold. And so the deeper I went into the underworld, the deeper I connected with my guides, the deeper I was able to go into my shadow and it transformed my entire life. And that's why I do the work that I do because I saw what it did for my own life, for my relationship to myself, my relationship to the people around me, how confident and comfortable I feel connecting with people and being visible in my work and talking about taboo shit on the internet. I mean, this journey was everything. And it is such an honor to be able to walk this path with so many people all over the world. Oh my God. So fascinating. Well, first of all, I'll just say like, I literally, we all, it is like the wounded power thing. Cause I, I do Akashic Records readings and I only bring through what is shared with me by the record keepers, like the consciousness that mediates the an otherwise infinite field of information. And, you know, whatever comes through is based on what somebody's ready for. But I can say just on the observation of the readings that I've done that most people are not ready to see those lives yet because they're not coming forward. Sometimes they come forward. There are some people that are pushing it that are starting to be ready to see, see ourselves, the the villain, like truly the villain, not the, not the redeemable, lovable villain, (laughs) but like the villain. Yeah. And it's, it's the, to me, it feels like not necessarily the next step, like the immediate next step, but it is a necessary next level that we're all approaching. It has to be integrated. It has to be seen. I said to my husband, I think it was last week. I was like, like 99.9% certain that I am from the same soul group as the elites. And that's why I just, I understand the whole system very well because I have been that, that ruling class, that like absurdly, absurdly wealthy, like disconnected from my heart, disconnected from empathy. I have been that, which is why it's so important for me in this life to be different because I'm balancing it out, you know? Oh, but yeah. I'd love to hear, I would love to hear when you, okay. So when you, first of all, when you saw Hades, when you say you saw him and he was cloaked as your spirit guide, how yeah. do you experience that? Is it your internal vision? Do you see him outside as like a, an apparition? Like, how does it, how do you experience it? Yeah. So most of the time when I'm in meditation, I see him. Like I am very clairvoyant in meditation. So I see a lot of things very clearly. And so for the longest time, it looked like a man, like broad shouldered man in a, almost like a grim reaper Halloween costume. So it didn't have this like ominous, like menacing energy. It almost felt a little bit like funny and his face was always the hood. The cloak was always up to the point where I couldn't see anything beyond it. But again, it didn't feel it didn't feel deceptive. It didn't feel bad. So I was just rolling with it. Like I, I trusted how that felt to me. And so now when I see him, he looks, he looks very similar to how he's portrayed in like statues and things, broad shoulders, just like beard. Like he, he very much looks like that to me now. And his energy has like, I feel his energy in my heart space. It feels like, like warm and grounded, almost like, like the, the best way I could, I could describe it is like the way whiskey feels when you're like drinking and it's just like kind of going down. Like it has that warm, like, you know, it just like, like grounded, like dense, but not in a bad way type of feel. So safe. So his energy to me feels very gentle. 
And so like when I work with other guides, like some of the demons that are a little bit more like blunt, (laughs) they call you on your shit. Like Hades is so gentle. Like he's just so, so kind with me. Whereas some of the demons will like bitch slap me with some truth sometimes. And I'm like, oh, that stung, but I needed to hear that. Like these guides have really different really different energy signatures and ways that they interact with us. And so it's really, really fun to be able to to see. And I was not always someone that had an extremely open third eye. Like this is something that I've cultivated. And part mm-hmm. of it was the trauma that I've endured in the last couple lives. Like I endured a lot of trauma to my third eye into my head. And so like there was damage that occurred in that chakra network. And so I, I view it as like my third eye was relatively closed when I was born. I always felt a connection to spirit and to like dark shit. Cause I could like see shadow things and whatever, but never really understood it. And so opening my third eye happened throughout the process of healing the witch wound. Cause oftentimes our gifts will close. Like, obviously, like I just shared due to trauma and past lives. Um, so the imprints get stuck in our chakra network, but also when we have been killed for using our gifts, our soul's like, shit, this isn't safe. Let's just shut all this down. And so it's really common for people who are magical as fuck to think that they have no gifts and no magical purpose or no spiritual purpose because they don't have access to them yet. And that's why it's so important to be able to dive into these past lives to heal the witch wound because I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now if I still had by that witch wound. And obviously it's, it's something that stays with us and never just completely goes away, but we are able to understand why certain things are scary or uncomfortable or bring us to our edge, you know? Totally. I could not possibly agree more. Like that's what I find too, is first of all, exactly like the persecution, witch wound kind of thing, you know, whether we were actually a witch in a past life or if something similar, but basically we had our psychic gifts, gifts activated and we were Either we were tortured for it, heavily penalized, executed, or we witnessed someone we love or care about that was deeply traumatically impactful on us. We experienced that. But also I've seen that sometimes we shut it down because of that wounded power thing, or because as we like, sometimes when we were playing the villain role, we would use other people's like third eyes, like co-opt their third eye, like sell them into a contract where they didn't have free sovereignty over their third eye because of the wording of the contract, we got to use it to peer into future timelines, you know, to like manipulate the whole thing. And there are a lot of reasons that we shut our psychic abilities down. And the great news is mostly like every time we feel that we're blocked, it's that's blocking ourselves in a self-protective way, which means that we can coax that gently along. And also I think that's why even though we like so many people, myself included, like I've been on this journey, which is why I know, but so many people, like we think we covet these powerful psychic experiences that would leave us being like, I have no questions left. I'm 100% certain. Like it's as real to me as if it were tangibly manifested. We think we want that, but we would fucking lose our minds. It would be so traumatized. Like it would reactivate so many layers of past life trauma. We would instantly start gaslighting the shit out of ourselves, questioning our sanity, you know, and like, we want it, we want it to come in, in like gentle, little subtle ways that like a little tiny, little tiny ember that you, you know, you coax it into a fire in a safe, at a safe rate, at the cadence kind of that you were saying before, like a manageable journey with some really rough spots. (laughs) (laughs) 
I completely agree. I totally agree. So I think like we live in an instant gratification culture. So we apply that to spirituality and we just want to like flip a switch, you know, and it's like that actually is what makes people freak out because when people do experience that switch flip, like if they have a near death experience or they go from zero to ayahuasca with nothing in between, like oftentimes they're traumatized because like everything turns the fuck on so quickly and it can create a little bit of that like spiritual psychosis. And I feel like that's part of the reason why all of a sudden that's popping up everywhere in the industry. People are talking about that. And for the longest time I was like, how the fuck? Like, I don't understand because like go working with my guides and doing shadow work, like you're peeling back the layers of the onion, so to speak at, at the rate that you can handle it. Your brain will just stop you. But it's like when you're forcing yourself into that via psychedelics or, and again, like I love psychedelics, but after having done years of shadow work, not like to skip steps. And I think that's the problem is people are like, Oh, I want to open my third eye. Ayahuasca. Like, no, there's, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's like a safe way to do this. And so I've, I've seen people become like a little unhinged because they, they try to force their brain to, to move faster than they're actually ready for. And I think that that creates a lot of that, like kind of like ungrounded semi manic culty energy we see in the spiritual space because people are moving so quickly and ascending into those higher chakras and they're not staying grounded. They're not staying connected connect to their body and to their humanity. Like we're in a human body for a reason. The goal is to not transcend it and be above the density of a body. Like we're in a body to use it. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I love the underworld energy so much because everyone who comes to me who's used to dealing with the more ethereal energies, like the upper realm and the Akashic records, when I take them down to the underworld, they're like, ooh, this feels like different because they're like it feels like dense but not in a bad way and I feel really grounded and like the beings like are really really grounding so people struggle with ungroundedness or dissociation or like just kind of like anything that pulls you up into your higher chakras if people have a really overactive third eye and crown working with the energy of the underworld and some of the deities down there can really pull you back into your body. And the irony is like when Haiti stepped forward, I was dealing with a lot of trauma. I was severely dissociated and didn't even realize it. And so like it, it slowly just helped me reconnect with myself, which is really what allows us to move to the world through the world with our power. We're disconnected from ourselves If we're running from ourselves, if we're completely dissociated from our body, how, how can we feel safe taking up space? How can we really hold our full power when we can't even sit in our vessel? A hundred percent. And like, how can you, po- how can we possibly accumulate money and wealth? Yeah. For just for it's an example, 3D thing. Yeah, the yeah. manifestation of power. Yeah. So yeah. if we are exactly, if we're kind of disassociated, freaked out, just too much shit going on in our nervous system, like a lot of trauma, don't know how to deal with it, just trying to get by, survive the rat race. Then like, that's the reason that people are capped in how much money they can bring in and why people are like trying to manifest more money coming in, but they're not doing the shadow work piece. They're not like working through layers of trauma. So they can't, they're not basically, basically the way I understand it is like, if you want more money, you want more impact, you want to feel like you're on purpose, you like, whatever, it's not necessarily a material thing, but like, if you want to feel like you're maximizing this incarnation, then you have to gradually make peace in your relationship with your own power. Like you have to be willing to take on more of your power as you are initiated into it and learn what it means to hold that power and like make your peace with the level of the fact or the fact that you have a really big impact just with your existence. Like it's a lot that we don't, humans have just like, we've been through so much, you know, we've been so convinced that we're just these 
useless, worthless, I don't know, planet and environment destroying, climate change causing, constantly warring, like, I don't know, accidental blip of reproductive physiology. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we, there's a lot of shame programming. Yeah. So much shame programming to get through. And I think that that's by design. Like, how can people step into their power when they don't have a healthy self-concept? Like, good fucking luck stepping into any healthy power or any power at all if you feel like shit about yourself, you know? And so it's like, it's interesting because I feel like stepping into your power has become a buzzword. Like, I've been in the coaching industry for over a decade now. Like, I started in other industries and and kind of slowly pivoted into spirituality. And so what's so interesting is, like, this is a phrase that people, like, sell the shit out of. But people don't actually know what that means most of the time because you can't step into healthy mm-hmm. power when we haven't explored the wounded power lives that we've had. Like, if you don't trust yourself with power because you've destroyed yourself right. and other people with it, you're not going to step into your power. If you're exactly. <laughs> if you're afraid that everyone around you is going to leave you because they're only in your life because you're destroying yourself to provide for them, then you're not going to step into your power. So oftentimes people think that they fear power. And sometimes there's responsibility wounding and things like that. We're afraid of who we're going to have to be and what we're going to have to do as we carry that power. But oftentimes it's, we're really afraid of how we're going to trigger other people with it. Like, Mm -hmm. because I see this all the time when people start doing shadow work, they start stepping into their power. Sometimes they do trigger volatility in, in their life and in their dynamics. And they're not doing anything like, because when we step into heart centered power, this is the difference. It's not spiteful. It's not controlling. It's not domineering. That's wounded fucking power. When we step into heart-centered power, our heart has to be open. So we have to heal the shit that closed it. We have to be connected to our root chakra. We have to be grounded so that we don't lose control of ourselves and that energy. But oftentimes when they are stepping into that healthy power, it does trigger some massive changes in their personal life. And this is what people are afraid of. They're afraid to be demonized for being in their power and they're afraid to be alone because we've had so many lives where our power cost us everything. And unpacking these nuances is so important. But in my opinion, the first thing that people need is safety. If you don't feel safe in your body, you're not going to feel safe with your power. If you don't feel safe with yourself, you're not going to feel safe holding your power and being witnessed in your power at all. And so there's so many layers to this, but like we talked about before, like when we go back to past life trauma, it's hard to see yourself to be the victim. It's, it's hard to see the terrible things that you've endured, but it's even harder to see yourself doing that to other people. But I think that the damage of not seeing that is that it creates this like delusional energy in the spiritual space of like, I am above all of the chaos in the world. And it's like, yeah, you're not doing that now, but you did it at one point. And so we can't really truly create the change that we desire to change that we incarnated here in this lifetime to create, to step into this Aquarian age, to create this healing for the earth. We can't create that without really looking at all sides of ourselves. Because when we have this separation between self and other, meaning like, oh, well, like they're just bad and I'm just good. Like it creates this massive polarity that that it's unhealthy. Like we have to understand that we've all been on all sides of the table. And what's interesting is when I take people through these lives, usually at first they fucking hate it because they're like, oh my God, I was such an asshole. Why would I do that? And I'm like, nah, that's not the point. Not the, this, the point is not to go back and to create shame and to demonize yourself and to like break down your self-image and your self-worth. You're not that person anymore. But what I oftentimes explain to people is like, you only have an open heart now because it was closed then. You only are empathetic now because your soul understood what it was like to, to be cut off from unconditional love and from source and from connection. Like our soul chooses those lives to learn and we forget that. 
we choose it because we're like, I need to hold this perspective. I need to sit on all sides of the table to be able to create healing, to be able to have unconditional love, to be able to do whatever I'm going to do in these later lives. And then we get here and we look back on those lives. We're like, why the fuck would I do that? And it's like, well, you chose it because you wanted to be able to hold that perspective. How can we have empathy for self and others when we haven't ever walked in their shoes? And those lives are so difficult to see, but they're also, in my opinion, the most powerful and the most pivotal because when people really dive to the depths of their wounded power lives and the depths of that wounded darkness, and they're able to sit in that and really understand the higher purpose and really alchemize that, that's when everything changes. That's when they're able to hold more power. That's when their perspective of the world shifts because our internal and external realities are linked. So if you're going to war with your internal darkness, you're probably going to war with the darkness outside of you. And that's what makes people really zeality. Mm-hmm. And that's what perpetuates. That's why we can all be programmed into fighting with each other on the internet or whatever the fuck, because we're going to war with something all the time. Whereas when you can make peace with that, it just elevates you beyond all of the stupid bullshit that we're programmed to be distracted with. Totally, totally. And I feel like this is exactly what we're seeing with the whole um, kind of cancel culture vibe and the yeah. whole virtue signaling. It's It's basically like, people who are unwilling to look at their like their wounded power kind of like aspects you know like they basically it's people who cannot see themselves as anything other than the victim they're choosing to identify with the victim perspective because then somehow they're like better they're above the aggressor or the victimizer or whatever but Uh as long as we're doing that we're just maintaining the polarity the polarity is maintained. So there has, you know, like it just, it goes on and on and on into perpetuity. Whereas when we can integrate like, oh, fuck, well, have I just <laughs> both sides of this for real, not in a yeah. conceptual way. Like we're all one soul group. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, no, I literally got my hands dirty and and can I love myself anyways? And can I feel like the deep, deep regret and shame? Like even shame isn't a bad emotion or, or state of being when it's used the way it's supposed to be used. I feel like the reason shame exists is so that when you do something that you never want to repeat again, because you deeply understand the consequences, it fucking burns and you got to let it burn. You got to let it sear you like right into your inner core so that you don't forget and you don't accidentally make choices that repeat that kind of scenario, you know, multiple times over. But the problem is shame has kind of been distorted and weaponized and we feel it for things that we're not actually supposed to feel it for and it becomes very confusing but yeah I don't know I just think I think the whole world is in an interesting place there's a whole group of people who I think are probably star seeds and empaths and indigos etc cetera, etc cetera, those kind of words who are really caught up in the the manipulation of the cancel culture kind of narrative, like we're whipped yeah. into that direction and yeah. into the, you know, like I have to pick a side. Oh my God, there's another global conflict. Which side am I on? I'm on the side of the, the, I'm on the right side. Like that's yeah. the whole thing. Right. I'm on the side of the good guys. It's Oftentimes everybody that. thinks that though. Like when we go back into some of these wounded power lives, it started sometimes because we thought <laughs> we were doing the right thing. And that's, what's so dangerous about that polarity because like our, it, it's, it's not always what we think. And I think as long as human beings are manipulated into fighting with and destroying each other, there is no right side of that because it's all, it's all a game 
to, to the people pulling the strings at the top. And so it's, it's so interesting because when we're like fiercely defending our morality with other people who we think are sitting in the opposing side, like we are falling for the trap every fucking yeah. time. Yeah. We're taking the bait. Totally. <laughs> You said something before we hit record that I was like, I want to talk about this, which was an ancient karmic loop, working through an ancient karmic loop. Will you share about that? And even the process of like remembering beyond this one lifetime into another lifetime, possibly then another lifetime. And like the way that these ancient karmic loops kind of really require us to expand through time. Ooh, okay. So this is, this is actually really, it's complex. This is juicy. (laughs) So, so I will share that this is absolutely something that people can get to themselves. Cause I feel like when we start to share these really like in-depth, really intense things, people are like, well, I'm never going to get there. Like you, yes, you totally can. It just took time to cultivate a foundation where this would even be feasible because there are so many lives that existed within this loop. And I always say, we don't want to make assumptions. It is actually so damaging to go back to some of these past lives or to move through a karmic loop and assume what the lesson was or assume how it's affecting us. Like we need to be able to have the skills to really unpack that and understand and receive the appropriate information. So for me, this actually started with waking up to, unfortunately, a very unethical mentor who was super vampiric. And what was happening was in in dealing with the psychic attacks that were ensuing and dealing with all these malevolent spirits that were being sent toward me, like, this is what I fucking do. So, you know, there was a part of me that was like, this is wildly inconvenient, but also like, I have the skills to deal with this. And so in, in trying to unpack what was happening, I understood that this person was not only my mentor in this life, but was there in a lot of these really karmic lifetimes doing the same exact thing. And so this person knew my Achilles heels, which is my, my weak spots, my shadow, my fears, my traumas, the moments where I, I I choked and couldn't stand up for myself instead of you know being in my power. And that was all weaponized against me. And so oftentimes when we are in these karmic loops, there are karmic connections at best. People that we incarnate to learn difficult lessons with. And when we don't understand what that lesson is or how to close that loop, we just perpetuate trauma for each other over and over and over. But sometimes there are karmic abusers, vampiric people who essentially try to siphon our our energy, steal our power, kind of what we were talking about before, where like we are being these heart-centered people, people, we will trust people, will agree to things that don't serve us without reading the energetic fine print, so to speak. And so what I understood was happening was there were attachments from past lives and curses and hexes that landed from past lives that were being reactivated inside of this karmic loop. And essentially it was driving me away from various aspects that would have been really aligned and essentially preying on my Achilles heels, preying on the emotions that I really struggled with, preying just like things that, that, that were weak spots for me. And so what ironically started to happen was I hit an insane tower moment in my personal life and the volatility was wild. And because I cultivated so much such a deep connection with my guides, so much trust, so much faith. I understood what was happening. And so I didn't freak out. Like what kind of we were talking about in the beginning, the worst thing somebody could do in that moment is be like, well, fuck my guides, fuck spirituality. I got to figure this out. Like that's the time to lean in. Like, what are you doing? If you're going to literally step off your path when the fire hits, like that is the time to walk through the fire. That's not the time to be like, oh, well, I'm done, done talking to my guides for a little bit. Like, no, lean on them. That's why they're there. And so what started to happen was I, I realized that I was hitting a massive tower tower moment in my life, things were falling away like crazy because it was lifetimes of essentially that wasn't just a tower moment from this life. It was like, I was hitting up on a choice that I was never able to make because of so many different variables. And so as I was moving through this, 
just letting myself feel the emotions. I was leaning into my guys. I was connecting with them more. I was trying to understand what was happening. And then I realized that over the course of the next like four to six weeks, I had multiple trips that I had planned sometimes like a year in advance, like months in advance. And they were all to karmic past life destinations that were all in this loop. So I, I found out where this loop began and then the lives that spawned from it. And I was like, oh shit, I'm going to all of these places. What the fuck? Like, wow. and it was, it was crazy because again, it was not planned. Like there was no part of this where I was like, I'm going to hit a tower moment. I need to go to these past life locations. Like it was all purely coincidental. And so when I started going to these locations, I was actively connecting with my guides and doing shadow work in those, in those places, on those ley lines. And it was so powerful because I was able to really understand the lesson and the take away from those lives the unfinished business that was that that occurred there the things that my soul was were, was not able to heal close move through release whatever some of these lives were cut really short unfortunately in one of those lifetimes i took my own life in other lifetimes i was murdered and so like there was so much pent up energy there and to be able to go back to those places and really unpack because it wasn't even just a matter of like going to that life one time like for weeks leading up to these trips i was going into those lives Every single mm -hmm. night and the guides were taking me deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper to see these like little nuances and little dynamics. Cause I always say in a future life, if you were dropped into your current life, the one that you're in right now for five minutes, that's not going to show you anything. You're not going to get a good idea right. of like what that life was like, you know? So when you're going deeper and deeper, I was spending hours moving through these lives and it was so interesting because I could see very clearly why I was struggling with what I was struggling with my current life, what I was stuck with. And so in all of these lives, when I was going back, I was either releasing curses or, you know, just retrieving aspects of my soul, understanding like what that lesson was, understanding what I could have done differently. And sometimes in those moments, in those traumas, we feel like we didn't have another choice, that there was no other way. And oftentimes there were so many other options. We just weren't in our power. We couldn't see them. And so being able to go back and liberate yourself from that made the path forward really clear. And so what was so interesting was in closing down these loops, like that did require really difficult decisions. And I think this is where people get stuck with shadow work because like, it's all fun. It's all fine and good to go into your, to, to your shadow, to go into meditation and to, to heal some past life trauma. You feel really good after, but then they struggle with the integration. And so what was happening was like, I was doing all this clearing and I was feeling really good. But then like the integration was the scary action step. It was making the choice that I was never able to make in any of my lives. It was doing the thing that I was never able to do or saying the thing I was never able to say or standing up to the person I was never, never able to stand up to. Like whatever it was, we have to then go do it. And I think that's where people get stuck. And so what was so wild is as I was moving through these lives, it literally in the very beginning, when we move through ancient karmic loops. So for anyone listening, a karmic loop is essentially something like a trauma or a, a jarring event kick, like, kicks off and it, it hits so deep and it, it throws us into what we call a loop. And what that does is in every lifetime, echoes or iterations of that trauma play out, sometimes just out of familiarity. And sometimes because our soul's choosing it, to try to close it. We can't close a karmic loop without enduring the trauma or the experience one more time. Luckily in karmic loops, as I'm sure you know, the violence dwindles, but the emotional intensity increases. So something that was really violent in the beginning is now going to be really emotionally volatile. And so what's, what's interesting is when I started to break through this loop and just to go against the patterns that I had been going in for lifetimes, it literally felt like I was climbing out of the bottom of a well with my bare fucking hands. It was, it felt like there was so much energetic resistance and every step I took to break this down, it, it got lighter and lighter and lighter and easier and easier and easier. But every single day I had to literally set the intention, like I need to be able to hold my power guides. 
support me in holding my full power. Like, because it is so scary, especially when we're stuck in a loop with a karmic abuser or never feeling like we could speak up for ourselves, never feeling like we were in the seat of our power. It's scary as fuck to then go against that and to push back against the people that have benefited from you being the victim for lifetimes. And so what was so wild is when I was doing these meditations, I would see things shift in my personal life immediately. I would see dynamic shift with karmic connections immediately. It was so wild. And like the change was so rapid. It was probably the most rapid I've ever experienced that internal external reality shift. Like it was so wild. And so moving through this with my guides also deepened my trust and my connection with them. Because while it was so volatile and so scary at certain points, there was never any moment where I felt led astray or punished or misguided. And so that's why it's also so important to really unpack, like we were talking about earlier, the shame, any punishment programming, because like these things don't happen to us. They happen for us. Sometimes it's a lesson or experience we need. And sometimes it's because we kicked the can down the road. Like that tower moment probably could have been handled way sooner, you know, but then we don't do it and then it gets forced upon us. And so I am so grateful for the experience, even though it was very difficult because it, it really allowed me to embody my work even more deeply. Like I leaned so hard into everything that I preach and I walked straight through the fire and now being on the other side of that and, and experiencing that like rebirth, so to speak, after that death, it it's so powerful. Like so many times we want that up level. We want to be reborn. We want to be resurrected. We want that, like that coming, cracking out of the egg feeling, but we don't, we don't want to be in the cocoon. We don't want to walk through the fire. We don't want to be in the void, but that's there for a reason. It's there to support your growth and your, what you're releasing. It was such a wild experience and I am so grateful for it. That that is amazing. And I feel like one of the takeaways of listening to you share that is like, just a reminder that alignment doesn't always feel good. <laughs> like the next aligned move does not always like, okay. So when people are kind of like, oh, I don't know. When, you know, when you feel like you're, you're wanting to go in a direction, you're wanting to start a new venture or, or take a risk, sign up for something, create a new project, whatever, like, you know, end a relationship, something like that. We think, we're waiting to feel good about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and we're like, if it doesn't feel good, then it must not be an alignment. But it's like, no, sometimes alignment feels like utter and total shit, but you know that it's the direction you have to go. It's just, it's just a knowing you have, like, you, you know that, yeah, this sucks and it feels like shit. And for whatever reason, this is the direction I'm being called to walk through the fire. And if I don't, I always have the option to kick the can down the road. As you said, if I don't, will I actually avoid that discomfort? No, it'll just be like a slow burn, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, for yeah. a long time before yeah. we accept the actual yeah. fire. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think for me, sometimes like what I see for myself and for others, sometimes the stakes have to be high. And so something the guide shared, they were like, you've seen how those lives ended, right? in that karmic loop. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, okay, so if you stay in these karmic patterns, it's going to be utter destruction as it's always been. Do I need to say more? And I was like, no, no, you don't. I understand. <laughs> like, so I, I always say like, you choose your scary or you choose your hard. Do you right. want like the familiar pain that you're in that's going to drive you to utter destruction? Or are you willing to step in, into the unknown? Are you willing to walk through the fire, but then to have shit be really fucking good? 
You know, and, and mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting because I completely agree with you. And I was saying this to a client last night because she's in the middle of like a major life transition. And what was coming up was like, we unpacked that she was like unconsciously like waiting for it to feel good. And I was like, oh, no, no, it's never going to not be scary. It's always going to be scary. <laughs> and the more you sit oh, here, the scarier boy. it gets because the more resistance builds, the more you get in your head about it, just like do it, you know? And so it's like, I always say like alignment is oftentimes terrifying. And the more aligned it is, the scarier it is. Like anytime I'm about to, I'm about to do something that is like truly aligned for my soul, it is absolutely fucking terrifying. It's also like electrifying and super exciting, but there's like sheer terror involved usually. And that, that shows us that we're at our edge. And so oftentimes it's helpful to reframe our relationship with fear. We've been programmed to believe that fear is bad as a survival mechanism, you know, hundreds of years ago, fear meant that we were about to be eaten by a bear or like attacked in the woods or whatever. You know, obviously there are real red flags, warning signs, danger signs, like the fear that fear is, is telling us that we need to run. But every time we feel afraid, we're not supposed to run. Sometimes the fear is showing us that we're at our edge and that our brain can't predict what's coming. And so when we can look at that as like, this is good. I'm about to take a, a massive leap toward the direction of my dreams. This means that I'm about to step into deeper alignment. Being scared is good. Fear is good. It allows us to tackle that a little bit easier. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what? So many things I want to say. What is important? Uh, okay. Well, I would love to know what is like, what do you see as the bigger story that's playing out? And what, like, what is your storyline in like your soul's through line in the bigger story? Like sort of what character are you playing in the bigger archetypal drama that is of the world right now? So I, I think that there's a couple different aspects of this. I think that in in old structures falling away. We're releasing old karmic contracts with within our own personal journeys and also collectively in old archaic paradigms and structures like dying. That's going to hurt. It's going to be a little volatile. You know, I think that sometimes we think like, oh, like, you know, again, there can be a little bit of this like only looking toward that higher vision, which is great, but it's also dangerous when we don't look at where we currently are. So like, yes, we Mm -hmm. see that we're stepping toward this beautiful Aquarian age, but we can't, we can't actually think that that's not going to happen without collectively walking through the fire. Like these old systems are not going to go down without a fight. And I don't necessarily mean that in like a violent way, but like they, these systems have its claws in us and in on the earth. Like it's not going to just be like, oh, you guys are done with this. Okay. We'll go to like, you know what I mean? And so I think that the, the, the volatility is divine in the sense that when things crumble, it's, it's shaking things up. And so I think, again, we're conditioned to believe that like, if something's volatile, it's bad. But at the same time, I think that there's a lot of deeper psychological, like warfare, so to speak, or programming going on around making people, even highly intelligent, highly conscious spiritual people feel like they have to choose. As long as we're fighting with each other, we're missing the bigger fucking point. And so I think what's going on right now is there's a lot of manipulation. Like there's obviously a lot really going on in the world that is very sad and very dangerous and very, very scary. And I think that the more we are fighting with each other, it's 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 allowing all of this to continue going on. And so something that I do within my personal practice and within my work is looking at our karmic blueprint. So understanding throughout our lifetimes, throughout our incarnation process, what are those threads that travel through all of those lives. What are the takeaways? What are we really here to do? And so one of my karmic blueprints is around power, stepping into healthy power, 
stepping into more personal power and being able to hold that in an ethical, healthy way, because then we call other people up to their power. Because there's way more of us than anybody who is, quote unquote, actually sitting in power in the world. And so if everybody or even a fraction of us were to really step into healthy, full, grounded, heart-centered power, that would be enough to create insane change. But we have to believe that we have that kind of power within ourselves. We have to believe that we have that kind of power collectively. And we have to heal the shit that's keeping us from stepping into it. Like that, that is the key. And so as a leader in the spiritual space or as, as any leader, anyone listening, whatever it is that you're leading, like if you're not in full power, you're doing everybody a disservice. Like oftentimes people are afraid to step into power because they don't want to look corrupt or greedy or this or that. You are doing everyone a disservice if you don't step into your power because you can't lead if you're not in your power. You can't lead from an ethical place, at least, if you're not in your power. And so for me, I think that a lot of what's happening, especially with all the astrological transits around Pluto, et cetera, like it is dropping veils on the unethical things that are going on. Like we can't put to death things that we are unwilling to see. So I think that we're going to see a whole lot of shit that we don't want to deal with and we're going to have to sit in it. And then we're going to have to continue stepping into our power to create change. Because I do believe that what we are moving toward is like putting the power back in the hands of the collective versus having it be reserved for like the top few. But again, they're not going to just release it and be like, oh, you guys want power? Okay, that's fine. We're done. Like, I think that we are going to have to like essentially like walk the talk. Like everyone's talking about like stepping into your power and doing spiritual work. Like this is the time to actually embody that. Anyone listening, like this is the time to really embody what it is that you say your values are, what it is that you say your path is, because if everybody was stepping onto their path, whatever that is, if everybody was focused on on healing their relationship to themselves and their power, that would shift so much in the world. Totally. And I mean, I think that includes like if you are, you know, you're leading your family, right? Or you are leading like a, a community like, I don't know, let's say like you volunteer as the head of the PTA or something like that, like something that we feel is so super grounded and kind of menial that we can sort of separate from this conversation around power because <clears throat> no surprise, mostly it's being talked about by entrepreneurs because to be on the entrepreneurial yeah. journey is like, yeah. you do not have a fucking choice. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be initiated into your power. And if you don't accept it and you do not learn how to navigate that energy, you will fail and go yeah. back to, you know, the version of your life that you were trying to grow anyway. So it's no surprise that mostly entrepreneurs are talking about it. And a lot of the entrepreneurs we see talking about it are the ones that are called to build audiences and speak like, in, you know, to a larger group. So it can kind of look like this is a conversation only for those people. Wrong. <laughs> Not the case at all. There are many of us that are here to embody like mind-blowing levels of our power and yeah. leadership, but like in an undercover kind of way that really blends into the status quo so that it can like filter into all areas of, at least in Western culture, it's the only one I can speak for because I haven't traveled extensively enough and immersively enough in other cultures to be able to rightly speak about it. But like, let's say here in, in North America and probably any Western country, the fabric of society, like you said, it still has its claws in us. It's like, it's got briars in us. It's painful yeah. to pull them out. Yeah. It's not just a clean break. Like, oh, we yeah. all ascend to 5D. And yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> my point. <laughs> we're, we're picking out the individual thorns and nettles. It's intense. And so, 
like mainstream society is still fairly it's like established we it still dictates the our daily lives and so a lot of us in order to dissolve it from the inside out we have as souls opted for positions of power and leadership that really chameleon with society so you can look like you are just a regular mom maybe you're like a a housewife or homemaker or whatever or maybe you're a working mom or a working dad maybe you volunteer somewhere maybe you work in hospice maybe you um run like a meditation circle and there's only five people who attend every month give or take and you don't really feel like it's a big deal at all it's a huge big deal whatever you're doing whatever character you are here in this game is a fucking big deal and this conversation applies to you like you have more power all of us, myself included, you included, like all, this is a blank statement for all human beings alive right now. We have more power than we are currently operating with. And we each have a next level that's available to us. And the objective is to be in that heart-centered power. So not power to lord over another person, but power like our, I don't know, I think about it as our own magic. Like I have a five-year-old daughter and she loves, you know, whatever, Disney movies and The Last Unicorn and like that whole world is very real to her. And she loves Elsa. And so we've watched Frozen 1 and 2 in infinite times. <laughs> but I really love it because I'm like, that's what we have. We have the ability to like blast power out of our hands. It's the reason we don't see it manifested right now is because it would blow our fucking minds and we would lose our shit. We're not ready. We're not there yet. We can't, we can't handle seeing somebody just like blast a beam of light out of their hands. Yeah. 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 And I would say like most of us also would not I don't know. This is speaking for myself. I would say like, I'm very aware that I want to know how to masterfully wield that power before I get it back or any kind of power, you know, any yeah. next level I have I want to be able to wield it so that it does what I want it to do. And it doesn't accidentally hurt anyone or cause unforeseen consequences. Like I don't want to be feeling like a three-year-old that's been given a valerian long sword yeah yeah exactly I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well right and that's just it it's like it, when we look at things as on or off you know light switch mentality we think okay i'm just gonna sit here until it comes when in reality like everything is baby steps quantum leaves happen in baby steps and so if we are not stretching our capacity to hold more power explore more of our personal magic we're never going to get more because we're not using what we have right now yeah yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, what else? I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, hey, you have to figure <laughs> out your best final question. Okay, what's it going to be? I guess I would love to hear you talk about the difference between like some of the demons and the parasitic parasitic entities and kind of like, because there's a lot, I mean, I've even talked about it and I have already know that I don't know as much about it as you do, but there is a lot of distinction, a lot of nuance and some of them are heavier hitters than others. And from what you're sharing, like some of them that we think are dark or, or they are dark, but that we think are bad or malevolent aren't actually that. Yes. I love this so much because this is one of like the biggest facets of my work because connecting people with the demons or the Goetic Infernals, whatever you want to call them, is a game changer when people are ready. 
So entities, parasitic entities are born out of the collective shadow. Most of them are. So they are essentially dense, wounded darkness that come from our own shadow. And they, when enough energy accumulates, it can create, it it forms its own consciousness. So we can engage with these things, et cetera. The more ancient they are, the more dense they are, the more malevolent they are. And they tend to wreak havoc on us. They attach, they drain us of our energy, lowering our vibration. They can cause and exacerbate mental and physical health side effects. Like they're an issue. Vampires are even more complicated because those spirits are ancient. They were brought here in ancient, ancient times. And essentially they cast a little bit of a wider net. So if someone doesn't have like an insanely malevolent karmic entity and they just have some stuff that's like wreaking havoc on their own personal life, it's going to mainly just hit them or that entity will drive like people in their life to like treat that person shittier to, to again, lower their vibration. Vampires oftentimes will feed through people off of many, making them a bigger problem. They try to fly under the radar. So they drive less side effects at first because they don't want to be detected. But when you wake up to them, it's like, oh, fuck. So they oftentimes, when you stir them up a little bit, you feel a little bit worse before you feel better because they all get kind of like riled up and they try to feed as much as they can. What's interesting is this is one of the issues that exists in the spiritual space when people step into power, especially if it's not healthy power and it's not healthy visibility, it's not like ethical money and and, and ethical business. They have a vampire attached, that vampire is feeding off of their clients and off of their communities, et cetera, and they get darker in a bad way as they gain more power and wealth. And the thing gets really powerful and it wreaks havoc on a lot of people. And I say this all the time, like when people are going around getting random readings and all this shit. Okay. As I fessed up to earlier in the introduction, I kind of screwed up totally accidentally, had no idea I was doing it, but I kind of screwed up and here we are. The conversation got cut short, which is very unfortunate. So (laughs) Kristen was in the middle of talking um, about the difference between the demons, the parasitic um, entities, and the vampires. And I think we only got as far as the vampires. And we missed out on the conversation about the Goetic Infernals, which is really too bad because that was the part I think that was really blowing my mind. I can't remember if we talked about it earlier in the episode as well. Like I know she referred to them, but I think it cut off at the part where we were really going deep into it. But anyway, so I kind of want to fill in some of the blanks of what I remember we we talked about um, the important points. So after she was talking about like it got cut off while, while Kristen was using the example of vampires feeding off of um, feeding off of their clients and off of their communities. Like there can be vampires attached to people who have audiences, which I think is one of the things that I've been trying to articulate when I talk about the new age false light stuff and just to beware and how, you know, like I've shared in private, I don't share this openly because I just do not, I'm not interested in even low key slandering anybody. Okay. But in my various paid things, like back when I had a Patreon, I shared it there and I've shared it in um, most recently in the psychic activation course. But I've shared that there are some people who I listened to at a certain point in my journey who were talking about spiritual things or even sometimes talking about other things like um, often it was business. People who had large audiences 
And eventually I felt myself um, naturally not wanting to listen to them anymore. And it wasn't just because I was kind of bored and like I'd gotten what I needed. There's also a layer of revulsion that was coming from it because I, I just could feel when I'm now like, I'm like, oh, that's just what Kristen was talking about. I could feel a va- I can feel a vampire behind the person. I can feel something siphoning off people's energy and attention. And that's one of the reasons that I don't share my weekly energy reports um, on a public platform, even though I share them for free. But just because I feel like even energy reports have uh, a vampiric energy behind them, all, a lot of them, because it causes people to constantly be outsourcing to somebody that they think has greater spiritual authority than they do uh, to validate what they are experiencing in their own lives. And of course, there is a lot of value in energy reports, which is why I continue to feel guided to do them because there is a lot of stuff that's going on collectively, a lot of things that are going on, and it does help us to make sense with it. But there's a, there is a line between using something like energy reports for like to help us make sense of what we're already working on understanding from a place of our own personal power versus always listening to energy reports or astrology reports or whatever because in the same way that other people listen to the news. Do you know what I mean? And I've done this before in my own past, so I fucking know what I'm talking about. I know a lot of people do it. It's a vampiring energy because it's taking something from us and keeping us um, sort of distracted and lulled in a way in a paradigm where we think that we're waking up, but we're still abdicating our own power to somebody that we perceive to be, to have like somehow more authority or like a stronger connection to the ethers and the higher dimensional energies than we do which is really just nonsensical all that happens is people just commit to cultivating it but like you know why would one person somehow magically have more access to what's really going on here than another anyway I'm kind of (laughs) getting off on a tangent here but So Kristen was talking about that when it cut off. She was talking about people who have audiences and there's a vampire attached to them and the vampire is feeding off their clients and their communities. I just want to say beware of this. Um, I used to work with somebody in a a co-working partnership sort of capacity who I feel like had a vampiric attachment um, to them and it... I could just feel the way that this person interacted with my community and my audience that there was like a greediness to it and like a desire to siphon off. It was just very interesting. And so I, I, um, you know, just ended that relationship or stopped working with that person, but just, just feel it, just be aware of it. And as I, you know, have said, and will continue to say, please hold me to the same standard, like feel into your heart. If you feel like I'm siphoning off of you, don't let me, I'm not, I'm genuinely have no intention of siphoning off of anyone. And yet, of course, there's an energy exchange happening here and I am being energized by you being in my audience, right? So the energy exchange should feel balanced and you should likewise feel energized by me. 
And if you feel like there is any kind of imbalance on my end where there's any sort of perception of siphoning or losing energy to me, then just you have my permission and my blessing to distance yourself and stop listening to me. And it doesn't have to be a big gigantic drama. It's just like honor that, trust yourself, honor it. Okay, so then we talked about how um, we then we went into the Goetic Infernals. I'm really sad that we missed this part. So this is where she is talking about them as um, masters of certain like shadow archetypal shadow things. So like, for example, I, I imagine I didn't clarify this with her. If you want to know more, um, certainly follow her and join her things to learn more about it. But I would imagine that there's probably at least seven goetic infernals one for each of the seven deadly sins and they are masters of that you know particular deadly sin so to speak so they are masters of the the incredible destructive power of those states of consciousness they can hold it without being overtaken by it and when she was explaining that I was like I just saw it like even one of the parts that got cut off um, unfortunately was where I was like, this is what I'm seeing when you're talking. Like, this is what the Goetic Infernals look like to me. And she was like, yes, this is the way I described them was they look extremely beautiful, like unearthly, beautiful and humanoid, um, wearing like the most exquisite (laughs) clothes, perfectly tailored, completely immaculate in their appearance, um, with very bright eyes and, yeah, that's what they like. That's, I mean, I'm clairvoyant. So they come through to me appearance wise. And Kristen said, like validated that that is how she sees them as well. But she said they also have a second aspect, which is like what most of us encounter when we are thinking of like the big demons, like the heavy hitters, that they have an aspect that um, is like, like like demonic, um, bat-like, uh, gargoyle-like, like something like that. And that is the manifestation of the, like, the true form of that energy that they are in mastery of. And we were talking about how the church has made demons very scary, the Christian church. And there are a lot of people who have a lot of fear um, coming from Christianity, whether they consider themselves Christians or not, uh, just having been influenced by it, so that they they won't explore these archetypes, and they won't um, work with these like shadow masters in order to attain their own mastery over it. And again, it's not mastery; it's not like power over it to use it you know, in self-serving ways, it's mastery over it so that it doesn't, it, it doesn't consume you, you know, like, so the dragon fire doesn't consume the dragon, the dragon holds the fire and wields the fire. It's like that. Okay. So she, we were talking about how the church, uh, Kristen was saying how the church has really made a lot of people feel so afraid of it that they won't even, they won't even go there. And, and I was talking about how really that just holds us in the polarity of darkness and light where we're constantly rejecting the darkness. We, we are uncomfortable with it 
we want to blame the things that happen on the darkness. Um, we won't, you know, there's a limit to our shadow work that we will explore within ourselves. And then we were talking about how really the church is separate from Christ. So the, the message of Christ and the frequency of Christ is a, <laughs> the church is built up around it, but the message of Christ is a separate thing. And so Christianity is, it's important to not blame Christ for this. It is important to put, place the responsibility on a church or the church as a political structure of manipulation. And then, you know, we were talking about how there are, it's a, there are vampires, there's vampire energy behind the church in particular, the Catholic church. And it was just super interesting. I really wish, (laughs) I wish it hadn't gotten cut off. Um, and I think that is all that we missed. I mean, luckily it got the huge majority of the conversation. So I think that's all that really stuck out to me that we missed, um, that I, I still wanted to mention, give honorable mentions to, but of course, unfortunately it cut off the part where Kristen shared what she has going on. If you are interested in, um, exploring this further or working with her. So, First of all, she has an upcoming, I think it's at the end of the month. Let me check. Yes, at the very end of the month, she has a shadow work um, event called the dark side, or I'm assuming it's a shadow work. It's really, it's a three-day event. You can purchase um, day one, day two, or day three separately. And they are each available for only $22. And then you can bundle all three for only $49. So, you know, like there should be no financial barrier for the majority of people who are listening to this. Day one is about vampires and parasitic entities. And so she talks about the difference between psychic vampires, entities, and vampiric attachments, what causes attachments, how to tell if you have an attachment, how to protect yourself and prevent an attachment. Day two is about demons, what demons really are and why you'd want to work with them, how to connect with them safely and respectfully, how to utilize their potent energy for shadow work, manifestation, and more, how to tell which demon to connect with, and day three, baneful magic, what baneful magic really is, the ethics of hexes, baneful magic and karma, the ins and outs of psychic attacks, dealing with and defending against crossed conditions. So, I mean... (laughs) I'm thinking about buying a ticket to all three of these days, even though I feel like I totally get what she's talking about. I also feel like there's so many activations here for me and it just sounds like a really dope event. Um, so she has that coming up most directly, but she also has her, her program defense against the dark arts coming up for people who want to, um, learn how to basically like protect themselves and hold their own power. And if you're dealing with entities, any of that kind of stuff, um, it's for you. She also has an intro to demons program called Goetia, where she, um, I think deep dives into the different demons and she has a program called microdosing with demons. Um, and the, oh, the other thing that she shared, right. She does do entity or vampire clearings with her. And then she has a podcast called the, um, awaken the witch podcast 
And she has a, a fairly new monthly membership. It's not quite a year old called House of Demons, where she takes everybody through a monthly like deep dive um, group shadow clearing. And um, yeah, and then there's integration practices and, and things like that. So there's lots of ways to work with Kristen, lots of ways to connect with her at various price points. I really admire that uh, three-day virtual event. It sounds really good and the the price level. So if this speaks to you, you should totally check it out. And again, I just, I mean, I think if you got through the whole episode and you're here, <clears throat> I'm sure you felt it for yourself, but I just really want to vouch that I would never bring somebody on my show, never in a million years, never give somebody a platform that I thought was opening people up to dangerous, dark shit. Would never do it. Um, I believe in that. I believe that the dark things can be very powerful, not to be fucked with. Um, and I don't believe Kristen is that. I, I don't feel that in my field at all. I don't feel it in my heart. So if you are called to work with her, really think about it this way. You're being called to understand the darkness at a deeper level. And um, she's just really good at explaining it and articulating it. Okay, my friends, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, If you want to give me your feedback and tell me how it landed with you, I would love to hear about it. Even if you have, you know, if you're like, Amy, that scared the shit out of me and like, don't ever do that again. Just, you know, just word it respectfully and I will totally take your, um, your feedback into my heart and take it into consideration. But if you do want to communicate with me at any point, my preference is that you do so through email so that I can um, file your email in the proper place. And even if it takes me a little while to get back to it, I won't lose it. I will be able to get back to it. Ain't given any promises, any such promises about Instagram DMS or Facebook messenger. Okay. If you want, if you want me to read it and you hope that someday I reply, email is the way to go. Okay. That's it, my friends. I love you so much. I sincerely hope that some of you join me in my current offerings and I can't wait to catch you again next week. Have an awesome time. Oh yeah. Also don't forget to subscribe for my free weekly energy reports. Link is in the show notes for that too. The next one is coming out on Monday. Okay. Love you guys. Catch you next week. Well, that's a wrap. I truly hope that you enjoyed the episode and that you got some good activations, insights, and inspiration from what was shared today. I want to give a shout out to May, who edits all of these podcast episodes, and I want to thank you, beautiful listener, for the valuable currency of your time and attention. You are a powerful creator, and may everything in this podcast serve you in your highest fucking creations. Your listenership means the world to me, truly. I cannot possibly express my appreciation enough for you and your being here with me on this journey. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a moment to rate, review, subscribe, and share. And have a beautiful day or night wherever you are. I will catch you on the next episode.